lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And happy Monday. Thanks for tuning in here today, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here alongside Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre. 888-933-93 is the number here to the Blaze. 888-933-93. Keep that handy. We are going to be opening up the phone lines next hour of the show with our Monday town hall as we asked you, or we will ask you, what do you think President Trump should now do next? And we'll set that question up for you a little bit later on here in the program. Also, we'll give you some free stuff next hour. I feel bad we didn't get to your town hall last week. So I'm going to do a make good. Also, I think probably a lot of people could just use even any trinket of, of gratitude. And frankly, trinkets are all we have to offer you, but we will offer them to you with gratitude nonetheless. So we'll give away some free stuff next hour as well. You can email the program, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. You can like us on Facebook. We are now, fellas, we've added like 2,000 Facebook likes. No. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding. So that can only give you an idea of what, the, what, what our increased traffic at Facebook really is if they're giving us those 2,000 likes. You can also uh, like it or follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And if you're looking for clips of this show that you can sample or share, go to YouTube.com slash Steve Dace. That's YouTube.com slash Steve Dace. And don't forget, there's never been a better time to subscribe to Blaze TV than right now. BlazeTV.com slash Dace. That's BlazeTV.com slash Dace. You'll get up to $30 off your annual subscription, which makes it about $5 and change a month. I've got to believe, I've got to believe we're worth at least $5 and change a month. And then you get everything else here at Blaze TV on top of that that we know is worth more than that, right? So can't pass this deal up. BlazeTV.com slash days. Our good friend Bob Vanderplotz will be joining us here at the bottom of the hour. I mentioned phone calls next hour. But let's lead it off with what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Light at the End of the Tunnel, USA Strong. Those were two tweets from President Trump this morning. Over the weekend, he said this at a coronavirus task force briefing. And to get this thing over with, we want to finish this war. We have to get back to work. We have to get we have to open our country again. We have to open our country again. We don't want to be doing this for months and months and months. We're going to open our country again. This country wasn't meant for this. Few were. Few were. But we have to open our country again. Meanwhile, the Bill Gates-funded model from the Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation, which has apparently been the standard for which we're basing the mass shutdowns on, posted an update last night, which shows an estimated fatality of 80,000 deaths from the disease by June. Just last week, the law firm of Dr. Burks and Dr. Fauci were projecting the best-case scenario of 200,000 dead from the virus. The aforementioned Bill Gates gave an interview where he revealed how he would handle the fallout from the pandemic. You know, which activities have, like schools, have such benefit and can be done in a way that the risk of transmission is very low. Yeah. And which activities, like mass gatherings, uh, may be, in a certain sense, more optional. And so until you're widely vaccinated, those may not uh, come back uh, 
at all. More anecdotal evidence that hydroxychloroquine works to treat the Wuhan coronavirus. Dr. Anthony Cardillo of Los Angeles says he's seen amazing turnarounds in the patients he's treated. Every patient I've prescribed it to has been very, very ill. And within eight to 12 hours, they were basically symptom free. And so clinically, I am seeing a resolution that mirrors what we saw in the French study and some of the other studies worldwide. President Fauci, your thoughts? So that was not a very robust study. It is still possible that there is a beneficial effect. But the study that was just quoted and on a scale of strength of evidence, that's not overwhelmingly strong. It's an indication, a hint of it. But getting back to what you said just a moment ago, that X percent, I think you said 37 percent of doctors feel that it's beneficial. We don't operate on how you feel. We operate on what evidence is. Meanwhile, in New York, the crisis is so serious that a coronavirus test was developed and used to determine whether a tiger at the Bronx Zoo who was exhibiting symptoms was positive for COVID-19. It was... Not sure what you're supposed to do with that information, but here it is. Regardless, governments are now starting to use cell phone tracking data to determine whether populations are satisfactorily social distancing. Organizations like the CDC are using data from mobile phone advertising industries to track people's movements. 42,000 healthcare workers across the country filed for unemployment in the last week. That's according to the Department of Labor. The New York Police Department arrested a woman for not social distancing herself well enough and then proceeded to throw her in the jail cell with two dozen other women for about 36 hours. Also in New York, a drone was seen flying over a Manhattan park this weekend playing this recorded message. And pro-life activist and former reality TV star David Benham was arrested by the Charlotte, North Carolina Police Department after he was witnessing to expecting mothers outside of an abortion clinic. We are practicing social distancing. We have cleaned our hands. We are offering help to these mothers. And if you're saying that we don't have the right to be here, then go in the abortion clinic and make the arrest there. Mr. Benham, I... I don't have the authority to go in the abortion but, clinic. So you you don't have the authority to go in the abortion clinic, but you have the authority to bully us and our sidewalk counselors. Yes, you are. Okay, I'm being as nice yes, as you, no. okay. you You know, you're trying to be nice. It's passive aggressive. But guess what's happening? I'm not budging. Yes, and our sidewalk counselors are not yes, budging. I, I, I respect your rights, believe me. But at this time, can you please step over there? I'll step over here. Yes, Thank sir. You. I certainly Thank will. You. But you know we're right. You know we're right. Okay. And I appreciate you serving. I appreciate everything that you do for us. Yes, sir. But this is wrong, and you know it. You cannot tell us to leave. Can't. You know, you know I am well within my constitutional authority to be here. You know that I'm... Yes, sir. It's in my vehicle. You know that we're doing the right thing. You need to go to the park and make arrests. Okay, so who has their citation? I'm getting hers in just a second so she gets your ID. Okay. Sir, you know we are a federally recognized Trust charity. Me when I tell you, we wouldn't be doing this if we were not acting we, under the advice of our attorney. We, we have, I know you're acting under the advice of your attorney. We have the authority we to be here. We feel like we had firm legal standing. I understand. We would not be doing this. I understand. 
And finally, this. An Oregon man is celebrating his 104th birthday and his recovery from COVID-19. CBS affiliate Coin reports William Lapshies was one of the first residents at his home to test positive March 5th. Now the World War II veteran is considered recovered. This is definitely not how he imagined celebrating his 104th birthday. And his family says the hardest part of the past few weeks has been not being able to give him a hug. And that's what happened while we were away. So this week approaches the one month milestone that we have been COVID nation, SARS-2, coronavirus, COVID-19. And I think we have definitively learned some things in this month. The models that we accepted at face value, you know, in that clip there, President uh, Fauci says, well, that's not enough robust study. We, We can't do things by feel. Well, then, President Fauci, how do you explain your now five different positions? Because on Friday, after we got off the air, he then said that we were on four different positions since January. We're now on five. He, he now says he doesn't, he, we, the, the models that we've been using to shut the country down are not necessarily reliable. He said that on Friday. So it, it, what's been driving his five different positions that he's had since January, if not feel, if not emotion? Um, these models that we took whole cloth at face value to determine our public policy have all been wrong. All of them. They've all been wrong. All of them. Way wrong, in fact. We can sit here and debate why that reason is. It's irrelevant, really, the motivations to some degree. The end result is the same. They've all been wrong. Even with the revisions from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation that Aaron noted, it's still they still fly in the face of the actual data that we have out there right now. So there's there's they're still wrong. And and people are pointing out that they're saying that they've severely downgraded the hospitalizations, but they're still claiming 80,000 people are going to die. Can I tell you why that is? Can I can I tell you why? You must. People are because I've seen a lot of people asking today. Well, how does it make sense that they're claiming they're they're admitting there's this dramatic decrease in hospitalizations, but the death rate will still be the same. Do you want the answer to that question? Would you like it? I'll give it to you. Because they're going to claim now. That because you did all this social distancing, that's what stopped. The, 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 those deaths were already baked in the cake. Those people were already there. They were already symptoma- symptomatic. They were already in the hospital. Nothing could be done about it. But the reason now the hospitalizations are going to drop is because you listened to them and, and risked your way, way, way of life on their terrible data. That's what they're going to say. That's how they're going to, this is, you're being set up. I know what I've worked on campaigns. I've covered them. I, I know what this it's called retconning. It's a fanboy term, but this is you're setting up the bureaucratic explanation for why you're full of it. That's what they're doing. They're going to say later on. Yes, the hospitalization rates are way down. The death rate stayed that high because but you guys you guys listen to us. So keep listening to us. You flatten the curve. Yes. Even though you told us yes. at the beginning of this month, you talked about that you couldn't flatten the curve that fast. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That, but that's what they're going to say. Yeah. That's the setup that's occurring here. I just, t- I'm t- telling you, I do this for a living, guys. I know. I know what it looks like when you've been had. When people like me, who, who folks hire to find the fly in your ointment, the outlier, the weak link in your argument, when we got you cornered, you do stuff like this. This is what you do. You blame shift and then you start retconning. And that's what's going on here. And, and oh boy, wait until they'll tell you how many more hospitalizations it would go down if you listen to Bill Gates and just didn't open your churches back up again. So we learned these models are outright wrong, cannot be trusted. 
We also learned we can't trust any of the data, the data, whatever you want to call it, from China or the WHO, which are essentially the same. You also can't trust the masks and now the, the antibody test kits that China is selling. You, you can't trust those either. The UK has to return a whole bunch of those. The China started selling antibody test kits. The UK bought a bunch. They don't work. Not reliable. I'm sure. I'm sure it's purely coincidental. The same country that gave this to the world and then lied about it for at least weeks. I think probably a lot longer than that. Now you can't trust any of their follow-up measures. And the good thing was, you know, uh, Fauci Burks went right along with the Chinese recommendations, data, and models. Which just went right along with that. So that's cool. We can't trust the media to ask good questions, even good skeptical questions that I think this administration should be asked. The kinds of questions that I think would help President Trump. But instead, each day we have these briefings with Fauci Burks that I think now are a loss leader and should end. Uh, Julie Kelly over at American Greatness wrote this last night. I totally agree. I, I, I don't think they're serving the president well at all because we know what the pattern is now. I, I don't trust Fauci Burks at all. I'll just tell you that too. I don't trust him at all. I don't. Burks, I just think is in over her head. Fauci, I just don't trust on a personal level. I just don't. Never have. Something about that didn't, I, and it started out just my normal disdain for the, for Mr. Infallibility. I just don't like that just as a knee jerk reaction. And it just, with every passing day, I just trust it less. You know who he reminds me of? He loves the camera. He loves the camera. No doubt. Who else did I say a long time ago just loves the camera and we find out like almost everything he was wrong about? James Comey. Yeah. I I think that's. <laughs> or Michael Avenatti. Oh, yes. Just just give the media the narrative it wants. You can have all the airtime that you want. Okay. I mean, just the arrogance too. the way he stands up there talking to that Fox panel. Well, how about less time in front of a camera and more time in front of a microscope? Maybe, maybe. Can we do that? Get the hell off my television. Okay. Because you don't know a damn thing. You don't know anything. And much of what you've told us has not panned out, frankly. So they get up, still they're just slavishly drone on about these models that are all f either fake news or just terrible at this. I don't know which. End result the same, nevertheless. So here's how these go. Fauci, Burks, whoever's there that day, just get on there and drone on slavishly with their mon model mantras. The press corps stands up there asking a series of gotcha political questions, trying to score points with the Twitter mob and anti-American leftists in their newsrooms. That's when they're not actively rooting against hydroxychloroquine, when they're not actually root, openly rooting against this thing working, rooting against it. We're not out of ventilators as a nation. Newsom's not even the only governor giving these back. There's others. There's several other governors giving ventilators back. Did you know that? It's not even just California. Several governors are. So we're not, our system isn't taxed. In fact, we're doing mass medical care system layoffs all over the country right now. Because we've, we've told everybody, we're not doing anything other than the black death. So unless it's a life or death situation, do not come to the doctor. You can't go to the dentist. Don't come in unless it's the black death or life and death. So a lot of these hospitals and medical centers are empty, laying off staff as we speak. We're not out of ICU beds, not even in New York City. Did you know that? We're not even out of ICU beds, not even in New York City. We can't decide now. Do the masks work? Do we, do, do we have, do we know? Right no now? idea. Okay. Do we know? Okay. We can't decide if masks work. 
So, okay, whatever. I wouldn't wear one anyway. Grocery stores are now counting heads and, and tape measuring six feet distances like this is some kind of third world country. Hall monitors, busy bodies abound. And maybe it's just me, but they like all have very punchable faces. Could just be a me problem. Um, countries that haven't locked themselves down. Iceland, Sweden, South Korea. They don't appear to be any worse off than the ones that have. So that's kind of cool. Um, meanwhile, hey, we're wasting tests in New York City on zoo animals. That's nice. Meanwhile, we also don't have all the antibody information. Now, now, now why do you want the antibody information? It's common sense, folks. The number one reason we had to shut the country down were concerns over asymptomatic spread, right? That a whole bunch of people would show up at one of these NCAA tournament games or show up at spring break or Mardi Gras or one of these NHL, NBA games or at your mega church. A whole bunch of people that are asymptomatic and don't even know they have it would show up and during the greeting at church, go breathe on the elderly people and give it to them and kill them, right? That, that's why we had to do this. Correct. Okay. Well, wouldn't you want to know the extent of the asymptomatic shouldn't that be like the what arguably the prime directive outside of save as many lives as possible that's a non that's that that's that's an automatic okay at least it should be but then after that shouldn't that be the prime directive of this now, Stanford University is doing a study. They started it over the weekend. It's going to be a random sample. Unfortunately, it's going to be largely contained to data they acquire from California, particularly in Northern California. But, but why isn't this being done all over the country? If asymptomatic spread is the reason we have to risk Great Depression, shouldn't we be studying? I don't know. I'm, 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 what do I know? I majored in, uh, I majored in uh, 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 Super Tech Mobile. Party balls and intramural basketball. And I'm wearing an Atari shirt to work. Although I still have a job. So I've got one up on millions of Americans right now. Uh, but what do I know? I don't know. I just, it just seemed to me the most logical thing you would prioritize if you're concerned about asymptomatic spread would be studying the asymptomatic. That's smart SMRT. We're just going to have Fauci Burks slavishly drone on and on and on about the models. And then let's do the time warp again. So over the weekend, I put up a thread on Twitter. And to me, I think we are at a, I think the president's at a critical juncture in this battle right now. Now, when I started questioning and scrutinizing these models and this data, one of the things I know from doing this for a living is people don't accept scenarios in a vacuum. Meaning that, meaning that if, you, if, if, you're tr if, if the evidence is leading to them not supporting the current theory, there needs to be a plausible alternative. They won't just automatically jump to now, I just, I believe nothing. Right. It's the it's we are wired for binary choices to some degree. Right. You say you don't like the Republican nominee for a given race. I'm not going to vote for that person. And a bunch of your viewers and listeners say, well, then you want the Democrats. To win. Well, I don't want the Democrats to win. That's why I'm not voting for this Republican who's just a Democrat with an R. But most people, they, they need the, the, the they, they people need in mass. They need an, a rational alternative once you dispel 
what they're currently pondering. So I, I, I needed from the very beginning to have a hypothesis or theory that could explain what's going on aside from these models suck. Well, then explain what's going on then, Steve, because people are dying. People are dying. The hypothesis theory that I've been operating under that, that has had one hole in it, although all the other data, I believe, or data, I watched Star Trek First Contact last night, so I can't make up my mind now if it's data or data. All right, but all, all of the data data lines up with this theory hypothesis, except there's been one giant hole in this theory, which is why I've mentioned it a few times. I just haven't promoted it a lot because I'm, you know, I like want to be responsible with the stuff I say and not just whole cloth, just, you know, uh, run the National Institute of Health and have five different answers on the health crisis of the age in a span of 60 days. I, you know, I want to try to get the truth as much as I possibly can first. Weird. But my name's not Anthony Fauci, so what do I know? But um, the theory we, I've been operating under that would explain a lot of this data and data and what we are now actually seeing is that, the, is that it's too late to stop the virus. It's been here all winter. Several weeks in January and February, the CDC's own epidemic line exceeded, or we exceeded the CDC's own epidemic line on pneumonia. You've heard me talk about some of these things piecemeal in the past. I've not really put them all together in, in one theory for you. That the horse has already left the barn. We're shooting mice with an elephant gun now. And I don't believe the virus is a hoax. Never have. I've always believed the panic is a hoax and still do. But I actually believe in the way I've studied the data. And I know a little bit about how to do this. You know, I, went, I went from kid born to a 15-year-old mom to broadcasting every day on one of the largest platforms in America. I must have displayed some form of acumen with this along the way. What I think is, it's actually far worse than most Americans believe. I think far more than the 9,000 and change we're reporting dead now have already been killed. And I think there's far more cases in America than the 300 some odd thousand. I saw on Friday after we left here, Michael Osterholm from the Center for Infectious Research actually agrees with that premise. He may not necessarily agree with my conclusions. I don't know. I've not seen anybody ask. I'd like to get these questions asked. But nobody will come on to get them asked or our media certainly won't ask them. But I think we missed that wave. That's why we don't know when the curve, we don't know how to flatten the curve. We don't know when it started. It began a long time ago. And all kinds of people that were diagnosed with some kind of acute RSV or pneumonia really were COVID-19, SARS-2 coronavirus patients. We just either didn't have a diagnosis for it in January or February, nor did we have the testing for it. And then the week before we started these mass shutdowns, 7.7% of all deaths in America, all deaths in America, all of them, CDC reported as flu and pneumonia that week. Well, two things have come out since that have me now believing I can answer the hole in my theory. Number one, CDC is reporting that the pneumonia rates in this country have absolutely plummeted since we started testing, coincidentally or not, for COVID-19 coronavirus SARS-2. Maybe the reason that the pneumonia rate has plummeted 
is because now we have an actual diagnosis for what we were misdiagnosing in January and February. That could be why. Now, the other big hole in my theory is, well, how do I explain the current spikings in places like New York City? And on Friday, uh, before he went on Sabbath, I called Daniel Horowitz for him and I to have a go back and forth and test these others' uh, theories, models, where we're at before I came in here Friday morning. And he kept harping on this with me because we don't want to put out anything that's false. Because that, that has been the hole in my theory. I, I can't explain it. Except now maybe I can. On Saturday, the New York Times reported that at least 40,000 people have traveled back and forth from China to the United States since the president's attempt to ban China travel on January the 31st, which is still 40 days before uh, the WHO declared a pandemic. Over 40,000. In other words, we reloaded the gun. We reloaded the weapon and fired it at ourselves. I have no idea how we would have tested these people, given that it's only been in the last three weeks that we had our own reliable tests. So how are we testing them all of February? China told us they were okay, so bring them in. It was fine. They were asymptomatic. Well, we don't have any antibody tests, so we don't know if they're carrying anything or not. We don't know. Over 40,000. That would explain why New York City has spiking, but still hasn't spiked as badly as it was projected to. Because that's only about 20% of the college students it brought in from China. The country did back in January after Christmas break. It's like 370,000 is the number. And let's assume they all didn't go home for three-week Christmas break. I'm guessing almost all of them did, but let's assume they didn't. Let's assume low, only half of them did. That's still 180,000 people. That's still almost two and a half times this amount that have come back and forth just since Trump's travel ban. Well, Steve, they traveled to San Francisco and L.A. as well. Why aren't they seeing huge spikes? Well, I know a little bit about this firsthand because I've had asthma my entire life. Been in the hospital numerous times as a child for it. I know a little bit about respiratory ailments. I've raised a son whose lungs were about the size of half a penny when he fit into the palm of my hand coming out of an emergency C-section and had to be in the NICU for quite a while until he could breathe on his own. The warmer the weather, the worse respiratory ailments perform. Also in New York, you have a living condition that it doesn't exist almost anywhere else in the country in mass. Similar to what you see in countries like Italy and Spain. High smoking populations that all that, that with with a with a larger than normal per capita multifamily living condition all on top of one another at the exact same time throw in the subway train system and everything else the demographics for new york are just not the same as the rest of the country now maybe my theory is wrong But at the very least, on a common sense level, it's at least as plausible as keep trusting Imperial College and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. 
Keep trusting the climate alarmist at, at Imperial College and keep trusting the Malthusian ethicists at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation who are huge proponents of abortion because we need to decrease the surplus population, don't you know? I've gotten hundreds of emails from you around the country in the last few weeks. How many of you? Hundreds of you. I had this. No one could explain it. My, my mom had this. My dad had this. My grandparents had this. All the symptoms line up. They tested negative for flu. Still couldn't breathe. Needed a ventilator. How many of these emails have I gotten? Well, that would be explained by the fact it's been here the whole time. And if it's been here the whole time, then there was never really any reason to risk a Great Depression. And, and just like we caused with the first one, we panicked. We panicked. That's how we caused the first one. We panicked. And then we overly listened to the experts, Hoover being one of them, to get us out of our own panic. And here we are. So how do we get out of this? We're going to talk about that here when we come back in a couple of seconds. We'll bring Bob Vanderplatz into the conversation. I, I, I think the president needs a reboot. And I think just like, I, I think just like Lincoln had to fire McClellan for letting Robert, Lee, Robert E. Lee escape after Antietam and go get an actual general who knew how to win, I think, I think it is time for the president to fire Fauci Burks and, go, and his McClellan and go get himself a grant. Enough of this. Needs to broaden his panel to include the socioeconomic ramifications of this as well, not just the medical. But we'll get more into this here when we come back. About the best endorsement I can give a product that we talk about here on the show is when I dip into my own wallet and buy more of it after they already let me sample some of it for free. And that would be the case with Tommy John. They are, I mean, let's face it, we've pro- we're, as, as, as a people, we've pro- we're probably never again for the rest of our lives going to spend more time sitting around in our underwear. <laughs> so at the very least... All right, get the good and comfortable stuff, all right? I didn't even know we were doing this one today. I'm actually wearing some of mine today. A little TMI, but it's timely with what we're talking about. You can save on Tommy John's outstanding underwear with its no wedgie guarantee. Uh, they, I mean, they, they don't have the, the roll band, waist up, roll band. That, that's key for a guy with like me where, um, you know, I'm pretty fit and trim in a lot of areas. But I still got this pot belly go thing going on. I mean, the roll-up waistband thing is a pain, right? Not an issue with, with Tommy John, all right? So I, I would highly recommend this, man. I can't recommend, I mean, there's a whole script here they want me to read, but I, I can't give you a better endorsement than I'm wearing some right now and I dipped into my own, uh, my own wallet to buy some more after they gave me some of these to try for free. That's how impressed I am with this product. And if you want to try it right now, uh, you can get 20% off your order site-wide, anything they have. They got women's stuff too, and I can't vouch for that, all right? Um, but I certainly can vouch for the stuff they sell to the guys, all right? So men's or women's at tommyjohn.com slash Steve. That's tommyjohn.com slash Steve and get 20% off. 
Let's welcome our good friend, Bob Vanderplatz from The Family Leader. How you doing, Bob? Well, I'm doing a lot better after that infomercial that you just read with Tommy John. But I want to give a little shout out to Tommy John. Yeah. Uh, Darla and I gave underwear and T-shirts to our boys for Christmas. We're all athletes. They all play basketball. They're all in really good shape. They love the Tommy John. There you go. So I would say, yes, I got to tell you, your description of all that. um, I'm glad I'm on to talk to you right now. I just really enjoyed that a lot. We're getting closer to turning Bob back into his civil disobedience uh, ways. (laughs) So now he is now he's actually here in the building. Right. But Skyping Uh, us from his office. We're getting we're getting closer uh, to getting Bob back to the, the courts can't do that. You're, you're getting closer. You're getting closer to where we are, my friend. I, I'm still gonna, I'm gonna submit to my governing authorities. I'm gonna practice social distancing. Don't take that as just an excuse to stay away from you, Steve. I'm glad to be with you, but just social distancing. So we've got several governors returning their ventilators. They don't need them. Outside of a couple of cities in America, we are not overrun in fact we're actually laying off medical staff and uh, across the hospital staff right now across the country looking at uh, governor cuomo's press conference that just finished while we were on the air here or maybe it's even still going i don't know but if you look at his numbers there's been a 75 percent drop in the hospitalizations in new york city in the last four days the models continue to be revised all right revised they're wrong about everything the models have not been right about anything this entire time and not like even just a you know bob euchre bad just a bit outside off so here's where i think this is going next you've got you've got president fauci going on television literally rooting against hydroxychloroquine of course he's also on his fifth different position on the dangers of coronavirus SARS-2 since January. So, tomato, tomato. But here's where I think this is going to go next. Is these models are going, and, and the people that are pimping them, are going to try to make the case. That, that's why I think the, the Bill and Melinda Gates model this morning shows that the death rate is still high, but the hospitalizations are down. They're going to retcon this now and say, because you listened to us and kept your, kept your mass social distancing, Right, the the lives we could do nothing about. They're baked into the cake, but that's how you that's how you drop the the new wave of cases. So just keep doing it indefinitely. That's where I think this is going to go next. And at some point, I think the president either need, in my opinion, I think he needs to fire Fauci, Burks. They have failed across the board. I think they failed him. And all 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 Fauci does is give Jake Tapper and CNN host talking points. That that's he's done nothing else. He's been wrong on everything else. Debbie Burks has done like a 180 on the models and then back again, like Linda Blair in the last two weeks. He needs to fire William McClellan. Go hire U.S. Grant. Broaden. Take the coronavirus task force away from Mike Pence. Because that's always a good idea, just in general. Take it away from him and go get people that actually have a broader view from a socioeconomic standpoint. Stop ignoring data from places like Stanford, you know, left-wing places. The the Steve Dace Breitbart School of Flat Earth Science Denying, you know, like Oxford, Stanford, Yale, Carnegie Mellon, who completely disagree with Fauci, Burks, and their models. And get more scientific diversity and start preparing for the fact he's eventually going to have to tell these people it's time to get back to work. What's your view? 
Well, a lot to respond to there, first of all. My first thought would be praise God that the numbers aren't being realized. Um, I think all of us can appreciate that. Steve, I think another point that you make, though, and I'd say roll back the tape probably three weeks, four weeks, whenever you and I first talked about this. I said, listen, uh, if they overreact and the worst case scenario happens, uh, at least they said, we told you how bad it was. We had to overreact. We had to shut everything down. If they overreact and all of a sudden the numbers aren't being realized, as you point to, they're not being realized at this point. They're going to say, boy, if we didn't step in, if we didn't overreact, uh, we would not be experiencing the good news that we're experiencing in this country. So it's a win-win for them uh, uh, either way. You know, Jim Collins wrote a book called Good to Great. And in the book, Good to Great, he had a whole section on data wins. And the whole deal about data wins, Steve, and this is the point you've been arguing about for a long time, take the emotion out of it. And it's hard to take the emotion out of it when you're saying, hey, this is about my health. This is about my grandpa's health. This is about my grandson or daughter's health. This is about my disabled child, Lucas's health. You know, take the emotion out of it and let the data win. I think what you have seen here is that there's been a lot of emotion plugged into this. Mm -hmm. uh, you have Governor Reynolds right before I came on this show today here in the state of Iowa, who's shutting down more businesses right now, who's restricting more of Iowa right now because of what they believe is still to come here in, in the state. So I think right now, Steve, and, and this might be a good news thing, but we're going to see if it's a good news thing. That America's rallied to say, okay, we're going to do what we've been told to do. We're going to social distance. We're going to try to be responsible and all of that. But when we get on the backside of this, there's going to be a real analysis to this. And if that analysis does not support screeching the economy to a halt for three, four, five, six weeks, whatever it is, and people losing job after job and all those things, I really am concerned about the next thing that comes our way. And we say, you know what, it, we, we should have to do those things because remember what we did back here. Uh, and that wasn't warranted. So there's going to be a lot of analysis once this gets done. Uh, but I do agree with you. The models are not the, – the, the doomsday model numbers just are not being supported whatsoever, right? How will we know when we are on the backside of this? And whom do we trust to tell us that? You know, that, that's a good question. Because as you just pointed out, if, if all the models are wrong and the numbers are wrong, who's going to be the one to say, hey, it's time to start opening things back up? Uh, because, as you said, with, with Governor Cuomo, uh, uh, haven't been experiencing as many deaths today in New York. Hospitalizations are down. Those type of things, the numbers aren't there. When does this curve get flattened? When does it start to reverse itself? Uh, and not only that, Steve, but I was on a call with the vice president and his team last week. And one of the questions by his vice president's team to us, or one of the comments by the vice president's team to us after the vice president left the call, was how do we get Americans to go back into a packed restaurant, to go to a concert, to go to a sporting event? Because people have been emotionally and probably legitimately spooked right now. How do we get them back doing things that they've been told not to do? How, are, how is that reconcilable with you guys aren't doing a good enough job of social distancing? Those two things cannot be true at the same time. That, that, so to me... I don't believe for, here's what I think. I, I, I think that if the Alabama football team began its season this Saturday and they opened the gates, it would be a sold out game. Okay. Do I, I think, I think that it largely, right now the country is divided 
between which information sources do you follow and trust? If you believe whole cloth in these models, then, then you know, you're panicked or you're actually rooting for some kind of apocalypse because oh, orange man bad. Everybody else who is everybody else who's actually looked at these models and studied them doesn't buy them. And then I think a whole bunch of the country just doesn't give a rip and wants their way of life back. I think that's I think that's an over 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 analysis from the vice president's team. In fact, the question he ought to be asking is because, he, you know, if how do we get Democratic governors to not stop to stop going with a panic? I mean, California's governor, Gavin Newsom, after the president told the NFL and the sports commissioners on Saturday that he thinks that to absolutely will be an NFL season with people in the stands. All right. He was on, he got on a conference called all the major league sports commissioners this weekend. All right. And right after that, Gavin Newsom, whose state doesn't need ventilators anymore, said, well, boy, well, come, that's four months from now. I can't imagine we'll have real football games. Well, he, well he's handed back. 500 ventilators. See, if they're asking you guys that question, then they really have already misread the situation. All right? Their people want to go to games. Their people want to go to work. Their people want to go out to eat. Their people want to go to Florida and, and go to Hawaii. It's the people who are against them they need to be concerned about who, want to, who will want to prolong this as long as possible so President Dementia can win. That's what they really ought to be concerned about. No, and I agree with you. And when you use the word apocalypse, I think we already are experiencing one of those apocalypse. And the reason is because of whether it's the coronavirus or the economy, uh, the economy has, has taken a apocalyptic hit. And now how does it rebound, as Trump has said at, at the press conferences, to rebound and rebound in a big way? I've said before on the show, I think I said to you last week, you know, President Trump, you look at Trump Enterprises, the hotel industry, the restaurant industry. Uh, the golf course industry, they are taking a substantial hit. And nobody would want to have this economy open up and rebound quickly than, say, a Donald Trump presidency. But the thing is, once we get through this, and I think you're seeing, I think you're, at least what I'm experiencing, you're seeing churches, you're seeing communities, you're seeing neighbors, everybody doing what they've been told to do. I think the American people have responded to this in a way they say we respect our governing authorities. But to say that we shouldn't analyze the data once this is over with or once or what you're doing right now and others are doing saying the models just don't hold up at this point. The thing is, you are going to have to be able to pop the clutch and say, how do people get back to a new normal? Because I don't think anybody's going to have go right back to normal after this. It's going to be a new normal. And for those those of us who believe in something bigger, who look forward to Easter because that's our celebration. It's an opportunity for people to really reassess what is their normal. You really don't think that if they open up a movie theater this weekend in Des Moines, Iowa and said, all right, we're going to open Black Widow up this weekend. You don't think it'd be sold out? Because I think there'd be lines outside to the street to get in. Yeah, I just I mean, and maybe I'm just not hanging with the people you're hanging with. I don't see that happening. I, I think people now I say that at the same time that golf courses, decks, you know, where people are are uh, partying after the golf game, those type of things, they are full. Uh, but I think people right now are legitimately like, I don't know if I want to congregate right now until somebody gives me the all clear. Who would the somebody be? Well, I think I think what you'd be is be the same somebody who's telling you to stay in, in right now. You have every governor saying that. You have uh, President Trump saying that. Someone in that type of leadership is going to say all clear, because right now you have every community leader out there saying, abide by these restrictions, abide by these things. 
trusted ones. I mean, like their pastors and others saying, you know, let's get through this together. And then I think it's a real good thing. Uh, we're going to analyze post COVID-19 and or pre COVID-19 and post COVID-19. Bob Vanderplatz, thanks for joining us, brother. Good to see you. Take care. See you. God bless. Same to you. I wanted to give you guys a few minutes because I talked that entire segment. You guys haven't had a chance to really say anything yet. So, Aaron, I'll start with you. What are your thoughts on uh, everything that's going on, what we discussed already so far today? So we'll start maybe uh, at the back and and move um, move um, backwards from there. So talking about people, people being uh, willing to go to events, mass gatherings, I, I actually kind of disagree with that. I, I think the panic – now, give it a little bit more time, and I think we'll be back – be back to um, you know the the speed limit kind of more um, the, the, these this is going to be more um, like the pirate code more like guidelines and actual rules but good grief I, I can't take a walk without people just random people on the sidewalk giving me the stink eye and walking away away from me you know to get the social distancing uh, in uh, my wife can't go to the store um, and my sister-in-law can't go to the store without being chastised by some Karen uh, for being standing cl too close for to them I think the panic and the fear is endemic that's the that's that's the pandemic right now give it a little bit more time and I would agree more with with what you're talking about as well um, I want to I want to pick up on one little detail about that tiger at the Bronx Zoo that was that was uh, that was tested for coronavirus as well. Um, I've been informed by the Department of Pandemia that it was not actually not a human test, Steve. Very important to make this distinction. It was not a human test uh, that was wasted on that tiger, although it's, of course, not a waste because they are tigers and, and large cats are, are to be protected. They actually developed a completely different test for large felines so that they could be tested for coronavirus. So it's much better that time and resources were used to develop a completely different test because this is such a big pandemic that a random tiger at the Bronx Zoo had to be given a completely different test that was, you know, taking resources away to be developed for cats. So I just, I want to throw that, I want to throw Very that reassuring. in there as well. Yeah. Thank you. And and the, the entire curve of New, New York City, uh, you know, that's been flattened now, it, it, it appears, from the governor's press conference today while maintaining... You know, mass transit systems, that's been flattened, but we still need a stay-at-home order for Buttsville, North Dakota, because reasons. I mean, we're, they're flying drones at Central Park because there are droves of people walking around in New York City, all right? The subways are packed. I, that, I, if you're doing that in New York City, that's exactly why I think if the theater was open down the street and they were showing a first-release theater, first-release movie people, I think it'd be sold out, but that's my opinion. I could be wrong. Todd, your thoughts? I think the theater would be full, just like you say, but I also think all of the people who listen to all the leaders and have been and turned into little uh, neighborhood Nazis themselves would be there in just as big of a group, but social distancing at the theater, yelling at the people in the theater. We aren't all in this together, and after we all go back to this, the Civil War will continue. Yeah, I, I think shutting, getting back to work is going to be a part of the Civil War. Yeah. Some people just want the fear, and then some people just want the president to fail. Yeah. And, and when we'll hold out for different reasons. Yes. Yeah. We'll come back, take your phone calls next. All right, we're back here with hour two, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here. 
We're going to open up the phone lines at 888-900-3393, 888-900-3393, and get your take on where you think the president needs to go from here as we approach the one-month milestone of being SARS-2 coronavirus nation. 888-900-3393. This portion of the show, though, brought to you by our friends over at Home Title Lock. It is shocking how quickly people will surrender their freedoms. What's also shocking is how vulnerable many of your homes are right now online where their titles are kept. This is the lesson Deborah learned the hard way. When thieves forged their her title to make it look like she sold their home to her, or she sold their home to, I can't keep pronouns straight nowadays. <laughs> Should I just say they all the time? When it made it look like they sold their home to them, is that okay? I don't know. Yeah, okay. All right. Um, because they could find it online in a database, hack in there, make it look like they now owned her home. They liquidated all of her equity, stuck her with the payments. She got an eviction notice. She had to then spend another fortune. She lost 80 grand in equity and then spent another fortune trying to get her home back. The crime is called home title fraud. The FBI warns it is one of the fastest growing crime waves in the country. If you want to avoid this possible nightmare happening to you, make sure that you go to HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com because your bank nor your mortgage lender can protect you. But for pennies a day, HomeTitleLock does. Go there right now, register your home's address to see if you've already been targeted. And then if you choose to sign up, you can use my name, Steve, for one month free at HomeTitleLock.com. One month free using promo code Steve at HomeTitleLock.com. 888-900-3393 is the number. That's 888-900-3393. Here is the question on the table for you here today. And what we're going to do, let's do first four. First four people that participate today. I saw that Stanford is handing out Amazon gift cards to people that pass their screening that are willing to be a part of their random sample uh, study of, uh, of COVID-19 antibodies. You know what? And I feel bad that we didn't get a chance to do our town hall last week. So here's my make good. All right. First four people that take part in our town hall today and give us their feedback. We'll give you a free copy of my latest book, Truth Bombs, as well as one of the brand new Steve Day Show coffee mugs. We'll send you one of those as well. All right. So a free book and a free coffee mug because I've got plenty of both sitting here in the studio and so much goodwill built up that I just want to spend it on all of you because I'm certainly not spending it on Anthony Fauci and Debbie Burks right now, all right? 888-900-3393 is the number, 888-900-3393. The question on the table this hour, what do you want to see President Trump do next? Now that we're getting more and more data and more and more these doomsday models that we just trusted because Burke, uh, Burks, Fauci told us to, are not coming to fruition. They are continually revised down, retconned, discredited. So what do we do? Because we are now going to approach again the game of chicken we were at a couple of weeks ago. Where the president needs to open the economy back up before they, they slap him with the, level, the label Herbert Hoover. But he can't do it too soon before we have more data. We have a, we've got plenty of data now. And then you're going to have Democratic governors. You, you saw this play out over the weekend. 
The president did a conference call with the major league sports commissioners of every sport in the country, PGA, Major League Baseball, NHL, NFL, specifically said that he absolutely envisions you'll be able to have the the football season start on time and have people in the stands. And right away, the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, said, well, I have a hard time believing we're going to have real, you know, football games like we typically do out here. Now, keep in mind, this is a state that has so flattened its curve. This morning, it is bragging that it's returning like 500 ventilators it doesn't need. Okay? So, on, on, on one hand, Governor Newsom wants you, to, wants you to know that he's crushing the coronavirus right now. They don't need all. They can give stuff away. They don't need it in California. But at the same time, he's like, boy, four months from now, though, I can't envision that you could go outside in L.A. in 90 degree heat and what, which is which will kill just about any virus that is exposed to that and watch the Chargers or Rams play. How are both of those things simultaneously true? I'm a man with zero answers today for you. They're not, they're not, they're not reconcilable propositions, but this is the game that is going to be played. You're going to see democratic governors and probably plenty of Republicans, Republican ones and mayors, but certainly far more acute on the democratic side. They're going to do this for a couple of reasons. One, because they know their base hates Trump. It wants to pin an apocalypse on him and, and make him Herbert Hoover and make president dementia, uh, the winner. So they have a political incentive. And then two, they've got a, a financial one. Just use this to leverage the feds to get even more bailout money. Well, I don't know. I, I don't think we can still open up the city of Houston. I, you guys have to give me more money. Oh, that's absolutely. Ha- I mean, that's already. Happening. Absolutely. It is. Yes. And so the, the, that game of chicken will be the next phase of this. So what would you like to see the president do? I think number one thing he has to do, in my opinion, you could agree or disagree is fire Fauci Burks, fire McClellan. Lincoln waited too long to fire McClellan. And when he battled Lee to a a bloody stalemate in Antietam, he then let him escape rather than chase after him and likely prolonged the Civil War, costing how many more lives? That was finally Lincoln had had enough. And he canned him. And they'd gone back and forth for quite a long time before this. And McClellan couldn't stand Lincoln. Didn't thought he was not a military expert, shouldn't be taking advice from a former state assemblyman in Illinois who doesn't know anything about warfare. That kind of sounds familiar a little bit, doesn't it? A little bit. A little bit. I mean, what what does Abraham Lincoln know about hydroxychloroquine? What does he know about it? What's he out here lecturing General Fauci about that for? What does he know? In fact, McClellan hated Lincoln so much he ran against him in 1864 when Lincoln ran for re-election. I think the president needs to fire them, go hire his own General Grant, or at the very least needs to dilute their influence by expanding the coronavirus task force to include a wider diversity of scientific opinion. There's a lot of other people with accreditations in academia that aren't part of the uh, the, the the Ken Ham, Steve Dace, Breitbart, science denying flat earth society, Oxford, Stanford, Yale, Carnegie Mellon, all kinds of people that have written all kinds of columns. There's another one that was in USA Today over the weekend from a guy who is one of the VPs of the Council on Science and Health saying, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. I posted on my Facebook page. 
Put some of these people on the panel. Let them vet each other, argue, debate. The truth's probably somewhere in the middle, maybe. But this one-sided, we only go with these doomsday models and nothing else. And it just so happens to be in the current one, uh, 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 you know, where Debbie Burks is on the board. I'm sure that's a complete and total coincidence. Anthony Fauci loved him some experimental drugs when the first SARS was around. Those quotes are making the rounds. Suddenly, suddenly, I don't know that we can do these, man. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Maybe because you don't get booked on CNN as much if you're pro I can't even say it half the time. If you're pro that drug, then not. Maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know. Wouldn't you like to get answers to some of these questions? I'd like to get answers. A few of them. So let's expand. If you can't just fire them politically, that would look, make you look bad, fine. I mean, I, I wouldn't care because all the same people that already hate me would just hate me more. So what? They're not voting for me in November anyway. Right? But if that doesn't work, at least dilute their influence. Get more diversity of opinion on that panel. And include people who, you know, economics is a science. Finance is a science. The larger sociology, psychology, sciences, right? People that, are, that can also look at this from the broader socioeconomic perspective, suicide rates, divorce rates, domestic abuse rates, unemployment rates, interest rates. Start looking at some of those things as well. What do you think? 888-900-3393 is the number. Let's start with Terry in Georgia. Terry, welcome to the blaze. You're up first, sir. Go ahead. Thank you, Terry. And I think President Trump needs to assert authority. And to do that, what I would have done yesterday is I would get Attorney General Bill Barr to send the Department of Justice down to these police state Democrats in places like North Carolina and charge them with violating the civil rights of Christians by arresting people like the Benthams and those people last week that were arrested in uh, Greensboro for protesting in front of an abortion factory. And I would also mobilize the, uh, I would mobilize the Marine Corps because they're specifically exempt from posse comitatus act. And I would for, have the Marine Corps shut down these baby killing factories under national security health guidelines. Cause it's a national emergency. If they can arrest me for walking my dog in the park, we can uh, shut down these baby killing factories. And uh, also, I worked for uh, five years uh, in the church security. And what the church can do is that these um, we have police officers work um, um, directing traffic, and they made 55 bucks an hour in overtime directing traffic from the church. And uh, if I were one of these churches, like if I were a Southern Baptist church, in one of these towns like Greensboro, if you arrested a Christian for protesting in front of an abortion factory, I would, you would never, ever get to work that church again. They, make, they made like, when I worked at the church I worked at, it's a pretty major church in the Atlanta area, you would know of it. You would know their senior pastor. If they made like, on average, they made 300 to $600 a day directing traffic for the church. If you take that away from them, I guarantee you they won't be arresting Christians in front of abortion factories. Those are some very intriguing thoughts, Terry. You stay on the line. We'll get your information, get you a free copy of my latest book and a Steve Day Show coffee mug. Thanks for being the first caller on this week's town hall. Todd, Aaron, any thoughts on what Terry just had to say? I appreciate the passion and the possibilities of all of those options within 
a theoretical framework, but Donald Trump is not going to do any of those things. We have to deal with the the guy that we've got, and he must be pressured in a way that pushes him to do something that is in the cards. And I just don't see any of those options if I heard them correctly, because there are a lot of them. And again, <laughs> I like the passion. It's not that they're well, unjustified. Well, the last one doesn't require Trump. I do like that idea, which is it, the churches in those areas where people like David Benham and others are getting arrested. Just, hey, those cops, well, not on our list. You're not, you're not doing security detail. You're not moonlighting. We're not giving you any more money. If that's how you want to roll, then we will respond accordingly. I I think that's a phenomenal idea at the very well, I do. I'm just I'm simply focused on, the, the. I think, the premise is what... You know, what can the president do? Like, I don't think Bill Barr, I, I don't think Bill Barr would do that. I think he'd resign. I, I, all we've seen out of Bill Barr is he just gives speeches yeah. and then no one is, no one's ever fired. No one's ever held accountable. No one's ever indicted, right? He gives great speeches about culture wars and everything else, but doesn't really, he doesn't do anything. He doesn't, He. I mean, outside of some great speeches and, you know, embarrassing uh, you know members of congress like adam schiff who and chuck schumer who are you know um imbeciles what else has he done do you know what else he's done no I, i'm not i'm not arguing with that which is again i think reinforcing my point about what can the president do he's really i mean that's why saturday I, I, that press conference was just absolutely going nowhere and he continues to lock himself in he's never going to get rid of uh, Fauci, I think the only thing that we might be able to see him do is to pressure uh, governors with a lack of economic support. But this, that, the, the thing, we are a republic. He's, it, how much can the president ultimately do in terms of even republic, our own Republican governor is going more and more wobbly, even though the numbers are not spiking in Iowa. It, you, he he needed to set a far different tone very early on. His options are very few at this well, point. Well, I that, I agree that the mess up was the, the the it was a massive tactical blunder, to, in my view, to declare the, that this was going to require another thirty days. You get to boss yourself another week, another couple of weeks, but to go at a full thirty days, you cornered yourself, and I said that at the time. Okay, so that's why this needs a reboot. The current team is is all in on on the direction this is heading. This team won't win this. At the very least, they will begrudgingly say nothing while the president urges the country to go back open. And then they'll be, then you'll know who the new James Comey anonymous source is for every New York Times, Washington Post, CNN story that talks about how reckless this is and how many people are now going to die. All right. At the very least, you set Anthony Fauci up to be your new James Comey. That, 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 that's the best case scenario, in my view. That's why he needs a new team. And I don't believe this team. Hey, the last segment I just gave, we just had with Bob Vanderplatz. Each week we have like a, the number one question we think needs asked. Here's that, here's that question this week. How will we know when we're on the backside and whom will we trust to tell us this? Do you guys know the answer to that question? No, that Nobody does. That, the thought bubble in my head when you asked that question right. was exactly that. Who would tell us? How, whom would we trust? And yeah, there's millions of right-wingers in California that want their jobs back and everything else. But if, if, if Gavin Newsom played hardball and shut that, if the whole country was open and California stay closed, 
Do you think Donald Trump wins that state in November? In California? We're yeah. talking, no. So, how, so Gavin Newsom doesn't give a rip. Right. And, and, and would, would, would that increase or decrease Gavin Newsom's odds of being the Democratic nominee in 2024 or beyond? Greatly increase them. Greatly increase them. That's the re political reality of, in, of, of, of a house divided against itself. This is a guy that today gives away all the excess ventilators, his massive state of 40 million people, by the way, doesn't need a day after he told you that he doesn't think it might be safe for you to four months from now to go sit out at the L.A. Coliseum in 90 degree heat and watch the Rams play. OK, these two things aren't reconcilable. But I don't know what political con consequence he'll face for it. I mean, that, that state is the headquarters of the leftist revolution. That's a that's you know they have an incentive to to undermine the president. The president needs to put people around him that have an incentive to um, to make him successful. Now that doesn't mean telling him what he wants to hear all the time, because that would be foolish too. But do you guys, who, who, anybody in this audience, raise your hand if you really think either Debbie Burks or Anthony Fauci give a rip if Donald Trump's reelected in November or not? Well, I'm, I'm certain about Fauci uh, based on quite a bit of uh, evidence. I, all of us have at our disposal. I, I, I don't know that specifically about Burks. I, I just don't. I don't think she's invested either way. I don't. I think Fauci has, has he's been a progressive ideologue yes. his entire career. Correct. So that doesn't mean you go because here's the thing you don't also want to do: send a bunch of people into a danger zone and get them sick. Is that going to help Donald Trump get reelected? No, 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 it's not. But but the reality is, if you, we we have a vested interest here, a mutually vested interest, we're not going to be our chances as a country of being successful with this if Donald Trump isn't are really remote. And likewise, guess what that means? The inverse of that then is also true, right? Yes. We need him to be successful so that we are. Right? Yes. So this is, it, all your nuanced, never Trump arguments that I was, a, these, are, these couldn't be more irrelevant at this point. The truth of the matter is right now, right now, you may not feel that way in a few months. I don't know if we get past this, but right now, you're either on team Trump or you're not. That's just the reality of it, man. Because there's no one else with any power standing between you and a Great Depression. No one else. He's the one you got. So you, if to me, I'd want to have people on that team that want him to be successful. That understand that their interests are intertwined. And that means he's getting clean data, clean data, real modeling. We're not selling false hope. But we're not shutting down any, I mean, these are doctors that Fauci and these people are going out, physicians, Stephen Smith from the, from, from the National Center for Infectious Diseases in New Jersey. These are not podunk morons. These aren't guys writing, this isn't guy. hey, and I'm, here's the column I wrote with Milo at Breitbart. Here's the column I wrote with Steve Dace and Daniel Horowitz at The Blaze. These are like real people with academic credentials that they're just going out and crushing if they show any optimism at all. That's not how you win any war, guys. And this is a war. You do not win any war 
by sink voluntarily sinking the morale of your own side. You just don't. And we're doing it all the time. That started last Tuesday. And as the week has gone on, the president began to push back on his own pushback a little bit more. But contrast what he is saying with the rest of that brain trust. That's not how you win a war. Diminishing the morale of your own troops is not how you win. Period. It just isn't. He needs a better team. Let's go to Anna next in North Carolina. Anna, welcome to the blaze. What do you say? You're not there. Oh, Anna is gone. Let's go to Ted in Pennsylvania. Ted, welcome to the blaze. Go ahead, sir. Um, yeah, I was just calling about your theory that you have about it being mm-hmm. here before. Um, um, you know, I think it was here before and say it was, you know, in New York City with uh, New Year's Eve. Wouldn't that spread like crazy throughout that city? Yes. In fact, one of the most infected regions in, in New York City is Queens, which has a very high Asian population. And you would imagine... A good amount of those 40,000 people that were still coming in after the, the travel ban were probably interacting with that community there in Queens, I would imagine. Yeah, I think, that, you know, when you watch the shows that Ryan Seacrest and all them, I mean, that's all that line defense is. And all the security puts those people, like, through cattle gates. Pretty easy to, to touch everything and spread it. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. I think that's a valid point. I mean, what, Ted, all you're all you're doing is 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 making the same argument the mayor of New Orleans made when she blamed Trump for what happened in her city and said, well, we had Mardi Gras. Well, if then the same thing could happen at Times Square when thou- hundreds of thousands of people get together to watch the ball drop. It's the same argument. You're not making any different of an argument. It's not a crazy argument at all. It's not. I just just adding that to the theory you were saying about it being here before. Yep. I was just thinking that. Yeah. That's the spread out. That's pretty much it. All right. Thank you, Ted. Stay on hold, Ted. We'll get you a copy of my latest book and a free uh, coffee cup as well. All right. Thank you for the phone call. You have any thoughts on that? Yeah. It doesn't help either that, um, you know, I think it was New York City's health commissioner was out there encouraging people to uh, to come out to the Chinese New Year celebrations, you know, that there was nothing to worry about that. That doesn't help anything either. And I want to say as well, if I can interject this, regarding how the dynamic has changed between now and, and eight days ago, because if, if Trump would have come out and said even even extending this for another seven days, uh, last last Sunday when he said this is going till April April 30th, if he just would have said, okay, we'll give it another seven days, we'll give it another f- even 14 days, um, you still have some power and some right. some credibility there. Right. But here's here's how the dynamic has changed. If he would have come out and said, okay, after this 14-day period, well, here's the plan that we have to get the economy open. What he's doing is he's giving governors cover. Yes. He's giving governors time and gov- giving governors cover to open things out. But but what he did was he followed uh, he, he followed in lockstep with Fauci, which is why we've been calling him President Fauci, because now F- Fauci is the one with all of the credibility and all of the power right now, because that's that's where the media is deriving their fear mongering from, because that's what he's giving them all of the time. And so now you've got governors like our state here in Iowa, who's not really even if President Trump came out today with saying, OK, here's how you get your states opened up again. 
I really believe that right now, under the all of the pressure that somebody like Kim Reynolds is, that uh, somebody like uh, I think it's Christy Noam in South Dakota is under. They they are now kowtowing essentially to the media, but really by extension, Dr. Fauci at the moment, which is why you need more diverse experts. What yep. would what would what would uh, what would what, what would it cost Trump to just invite Dr. Ioannidis from Stanford just to come and speak about mitigation tactics and whether or not they actually just just to give an overview? What would happen? Uh, what would what be I, the worst thing that could come out of that? Here's what I can promise you. And this is just firsthand for me. There are people, I won't name them, but there are people at the highest levels in this White House I have shared these other sources with. I know they have gotten the messages. I've not heard anything back explaining to me why. Maybe they're quacks and wrong, but could we at least find the answer out to that? So I want our audience to know on my, just for, just as far as I'm concerned, there have been members of Congress, the U.S. Senate, and people working at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue that everything I have shared with you, I've shared it with them privately before it got to you publicly here at The Blaze. And it has been largely radio silence. Not even a, you're a kook, you're nuts. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And I know they've been, I know they've gotten these messages. So I can't answer that question, but I want our audience to know I have tried to get you the answer to that question because I'd like to know it. I'd like to know it as well. And because by, by creating, the president has made Fauci more powerful than he is in the minds of too many Americans. That's just the reality of it. You have any thoughts, Todd? Well, this goes back to what you said about uh, Lincoln and McClellan. We just, on every side of this, we have too many McClellans. McClellan was an image warrior, first and foremost, before he was a warrior. He was constantly concerned about the optics of things. Would, you should not be unconcerned about the optics, but you, optics, but you should not make it your idol. And everybody right now is just deathly afraid of how this is going to look instead of staking a claim and writing it out steve this goes to make a decision and if you're wrong learn from it and mm -hmm. go on yep. it, which is describes leadership throughout human history in times of crisis but we knew this before we had ever heard of a thing called coronavirus we have very very few lincolns in this world and legions of mcclellans reality check how are you doing with your eating habits right now is uh is little debbie becoming uh, chunkier debbie if you know what i'm saying because there's too many little times for those little debbies around the house all right so this is where our good friends over at riduzone come in they're the only fda accepted product that includes oea that's the naturally occurring molecule that helps you feel full faster while burning stored fat so that you can reduce your calorie intake that's how you get your portion sizes under control right because you know maybe you grabbed one of those star crunches a day when you're working eight nine hours a day and on your feet now you're at home and it's like two or three eh. 
how to get that under control, especially when you're sitting around more than ever before. That's where Riduzone comes in to help you get your portion sizes and cravings under control. Dieting alone is really hard, especially right now when you've got more free time than you've ever had before. Working out is great, but you can't out-train a bad diet. So give Riduzone a shot. Use my name, Steve, as a promo code because you can only get it on the website, by the way, at Riduzone.com. R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E. R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E for Riduzone.com. Use my name, Steve, as the promo code. You'll get up to 65% off and free shipping. That's a heck of a deal. Up to 65% off and free shipping when you use the promo code Steve at riduzone.com. Again, that's R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E for riduzone.com, promo code Steve. When we come back here in a few minutes, we will take more of your phone calls. Uh, 888-900-3393 is the number. That's 888-900-3393. Where would you like to see President Trump go with this battle? It's really a a, a two-pronged battle. The pathology of the virus is one thing, but the psychology of the public policy, that's what we're debating. That's entirely another. All right. 888-900-3393 is the number. 888-900-3393. We'll find out what you think when we come back. Stay tuned. Eight eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three is the number. Eight 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 nine hundred thirty three ninety three. As we continue our Monday Town Hall here on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast, the question on the table we are asking you today: What do you want to see the president do next? I've laid out a few of suggestions of my own, but now we're letting you provide yours. Let's go to Paul, who is calling us today from New York. Paul, welcome to the Blaze, sir. Appreciate your phone call. Hey, Steve. Thanks for taking my call. I uh, appreciate the questions you've been asking me the last few weeks, so thank you. Thank you. So I have uh, I have two suggestions for the president. First, living in New York City, just on my own social media, I've seen an incredible amount of hostility and resentment towards any of the states not taking the identical actions we've taken. And I think that the president needs to start messaging that this is not a one-size-fits-all situation. He needs to stop giving the governors cover, as you've mentioned, and start empowering them to act in the best interest of their constituents. You know, we have we have 27,000 people per square mile in New York City. North Dakota has 11 per square mile. Mm. So, I mean, I think it's important to let states with these lower risk profiles know that they're not going to be ridiculed by the Trump administration for reopening their economies and start making those incremental steps towards normalcy again. Uh, And second, I'll keep this brief, that the president retweeted a comment from Dana Perino over the weekend about assembling a second task force focused exclusively on reopening the economy and sort of looking forward, uh, a nonpartisan team across industry sectors. And I think putting one of those doctors from, from Stanford or one of those other people you've mentioned on that team, someone with, you know, uh, scientific expertise with, with views contrary to, to Fauci, just so there's a credible challenge with a platform entering the conversation would go a long way. So, so that's my suggestion. Hey, stay on the line there, Paul. We'll get your information and send you some free stuff. I thought both of your thoughts there were absolutely dynamite. And the one-size-fits-all model is, is key because when we were trying to figure out how the latest projections Burke's Fauci gave us last week were actually even more draconian 
more apocalyptic than the uh, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation study, which is at the University of Washington, I believe, right? That's correct. Okay. They were even over exceeding that. And the only way you can make that math work is they were essentially taking the, the, the data that they had accumulated from New York City and just prorating out that to the rest of the country, yes. essentially. Well, here's the problem. Nowhere else in the rest of the country do you have the kinds of living conditions that you have there in New York City. And folks, if you've just never been there, I don't even know how to explain it to you. Okay. I, I mean, first of all, I love I love New York City. I thought it was great. But I couldn't imagine living there. I mean, I, I don't know. I can't tell you folks what it's what it's like. I mean, it's it's I think three hundred some odd miles and sixteen people, sixteen million people live there. I mean, the state of Iowa is, you know, from border to border is like 400 miles and 3.1 million people live here. There's, there's just nothing like it. There's, there's nothing like it, not even in LA, Denver, Atlanta, been all those places several times, nothing like it. There's, there's 30 of everything in New York. Mobs of, of people walking together, smoking together, um, more of everything, a lot more of everything there than, than anywhere else. Not even Chicago is like this. Um, you also have a lot of ethnic communities where mult, where mult, where family dwellings, multifamily dwellings or multi-generational dwelling, I should say, kind of takes place. You don't see that in a lot of places around the country as well. By the way, you know where you do see a lot of multi-generational family dwellings still in, in the West? A couple of places where there's a high smoking population, a couple of places that have made the news recently, Spain, Italy. Okay. There's just the, I, the amount of MTA, trains, subways, it's just not comparable to literally any place else in America. It's just not. And yet, last week we decided that it was. Well, remember a couple of weeks ago I mentioned and then you piggybacked off of it how, yeah, even though that's the case, your doctor and the way he thinks in the middle of Iowa is probably a lot like that doctor or that's mm-hmm. and the same is because true because they're all getting their information yeah. from the same queue from the same source right well yeah, and they have been for decades in their training their whole mindset the same is true of politicians you think the politicians they come from Montana they come from Louisiana they come from Maine but if they're a, if they're a progressive why do they all talk with the same way and the exactly. same talking points yep. and Republicans in the same? That's what we're dealing with right now. Everybody is looking around at each other and they're terrified of putting anything on their own unique shoulder. What's the playbook? What's everybody else doing? And we are, if we did not have this resolve before, we're sure as hell not going to have it now. That's the problem. It's so much. It's so similar to what I went up against with, with uh, judicial tyranny 10 years ago. Where you'd have you'd have people in, in, that you go to church with that are lawyers, and they know what the court did is wrong, and they know the court had no authority to do it, but because they were trained in the same unlaw, yeah, the same fake law, the same legal theories as even hardened leftists, I'd argue with I'd argue with lawyers at churches because they just couldn't get it in their mindset that they wouldn't that they that they don't have to do whatever a court tells them to do no matter how terrible that actually is because that's the way they were indoctrinated professionally they just even 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 yeah. the the yeah. legal class even the conservative legal class in Iowa couldn't see past mm-hmm. this let alone the ones that just are all in on the new leftist paganism yeah. and and you're watching this take place right now in, in in the field of medicine next and all these politicians before life was legitimately on the line and of course steve knows this i promise you 
they are terrified of losing elections. They're, they're, they won't sleep well at night just doing what they believe to be right and then letting the public judge because that's the form of government we have and getting on with their life. They're terrified of losing. So now you add life and death into the equation. It's not going to go well for us. Let's go next to Missouri. That's where Keith is standing by. Keith, welcome to the blaze, sir. What say you? It's from Montana. Oh, Keith from Montana. Yeah. My bad, Keith. Go ahead, sir. Wrong, wrong M. I apologize. Go ahead, Keith. No worries, Steve. Thanks for having me on the show. And I'd like to say this virus is far, very far from the worst virus to ever hit the United States. And I'd like that to to be out in the president's mindset and realize that, you know, if we're going to do this for every virus, this is just not sustainable. Mm -hmm. And I am far more worried about what the government is going to do to my civil liberties. I'm far more worried about how they're going to push the leftist agenda on our children than any, what any kind of virus is ever going to do. And by the way, thank you for your articles about uh, Reverend Stacy Swimp and what's been happening to our children. You're welcome, Keith. You stay on the hold and we'll get your information there in Montana, how to send you a, a free copy of my latest book, as well as a coffee mug. And Keith is, um, is, is confirming something we talked about on this show. I don't know the days and everything are running together now for me. I mean, I, last week I forgot what day it was a couple of times, frankly. I know at some point though, it could have been two days ago, three weeks ago. I don't know. But at some point I know we addressed, we, we, we have shown our rear ends here. We, we, we've, we've, we dropped trial and we showed our backsides. We, we showed what we are willing to roll over for. And you've shown this, the status in your own country, how far you're willing to be pushed. I mean, if, those of you that believe this is some kind of Chinese bioweapon, and I don't, I don't necessarily, I don't unbelieve it or believe it. I think it is possible. But those of you that firmly believe this, it, it, why wouldn't China just, okay, we get, the, you know, we come to our senses here this month and, you know, May is the month that we then, we come to our senses at some point in April, May is the month that we now start fighting with each other about which states are going to open when and how, and, and we start, we do all the political posturing is in May, but by June, July, Life's relatively back to normal. We're taking our kids to the park, the beach, slowly but surely going back to the movies, stuff like that, right? Get to the fall, football's back, kids are back in school. Return to normalcy, right? Why wouldn't the Shycoms just drop another virus on us like late October, early November, right when the Christmas shopping season kicks in and just crush the economy again, right? As it's growing, if the, the, the panic that we showed, we would instantly succumb to without any, without any confirmed data at all, at all, huh. none of it. Why wouldn't they just run another black op and do it to us again? Oh, and they might not even have to do the actual thing. Our paranoia has been ramped up to such a state that by then they might just have to verbally like, like whisper in our collective ear and it'll be that way. And I'll reset what he said right at the beginning. I'll say it in this, in this case, this is always me speaking because I don't think Steve and I are exactly on the same uh, page with this, but this, if you were going to get a pandemic short of the, the quickness, which with the spreads, which is certainly unique to it, it, you couldn't have hoped for a better pandemic in terms of the demographics 
that had to deal with it. I mean, you, and I please challenge me on that. Which which one would have been better? The one that randomly picks off small children, or the one that you know affects like polio, for example. Yes, the yeah. one that you know impacts a very targeted and likely host that that you can relatively easy protect compared to other sectors because they are now largely out of the workforce. Which one would have been better? You got the best possible hand and you turned it into this. I was, you know, without any current stuff to talk about, I've been going back as trying to, the little downtime I have, I actually have less downtime right now than I did before this occurred because of the amount of research and work I am doing on this and lobbying I'm doing on this constantly. I have, I have less free time right now. Um, but in, in the limited, more limited downtime I've had and everybody's in bed, I'm trying to, you know, get into some sports memories and stuff. I'm looking back through like the Michigan football annals. Michigan's first season in the Big Ten Conference was in 1918. They played right in the middle of the Spanish flu epidemic. Right in the middle of it. Now they played more of a limited schedule, but they didn't have hand sanitizer in 1918. I mean, they, they still went out. We, we can't, if your kid has a cavity... You can't go get him a filling at a dentist. And this goes on much longer. And once again, how, how worse to do, how worse do those cavities get? Now your kids got to maybe get a root canal. Last week at this time, uh, the number last week at this time, the number I saw worldwide 20 and younger that have died one. So it, let's say that's, let's say that's 10 now the worldwide 1.7% of the people that have died in New York city so far either were not elderly or had no pre-existing condition. That's 1.7% of the deaths in New York City. That's according to their own, that's the, that according to the data that they're putting out there, 1.7%. So, and, and there's, and, and there's, you know, there's tons of people, tons of people who have pre-existing conditions. Uh, and that people will say in response to that, Steve, tons of people with pre-existing conditions. Why does that make it so much better? It's not that it makes it better. It's just that this virus is not going to hit you like the, the Hanta virus, rat dropping virus that will just kill anybody. Basically. It's just not the black plague. It's not the plague. Yeah. It's just not the black plague. And it's just not. I, now, and I'm saying that as someone who thinks this is actually more serious than we're being told, because I think it's killed thousands more than the current number that's being reported. And I think probably hundreds of thousands more have been infected than the current number of cases that we are being given, because I think it's been here the entire time. And I think that, you know, let's do this. Let, let's get Ty in South Carolina in here before we run out of time. Let's do that. Ty, our apologies for making you wait, sir. Welcome to the blaze. What say you? You you should be sorry, Dadgummit. I <laughs> I really appreciate what you guys do, man. You guys are awesome. You're a great voice of reason, and I thank my wife for introducing me to Steve Dace because at least there's somebody out there who has a little bit of common sense. So, well, thank you, man. I appreciate um, that. I'm gonna rattle here. I'm gonna rattle here for a second, but bear with me. I'm gonna tie it all together. So I don't think the president has really much of a chance of winning with anybody in this whole scenario because no matter what he does. He's considered the villain. I, it's amazing how many people are just asking for for them to please shut everything down, shut the entire world down. And Oh, my gosh, because the media has portrayed this as a death sentence. I can't tell you how many people don't know. 85% walk away from this. 85% have a mild to moderate reaction. 85% of people walk away. Now, I'm not saying it's not a legit issue, but I'm just saying the media has painted this in such a way that it's a death sentence. My wife is a nurse. 
and program coordinator for the Department of Human Health and Services for here in South Carolina. She is on the phone weekly, by you know, biweekly, with all of the doctors and all of the people in the know, and everyone is perplexed as to why we're reacting the way we are. Normally, DHEC is on the fence to go, hey, you guys need to take this seriously. You're not taking this seriously enough. Mm-hmm. Well, they're actually on this one going, mm, this is a bit of an overreaction. None of our hospitals are overblown. I've got lots of friends here who are doctors who are like, yeah, we're, we're good. It's not crazy. My best friend who's in Florida, who is an interventional radiologist, says that he is looking at scans from people. He can name five people right now that he's looked at their chest x-ray no fewer than six times in the last three weeks because they're coming in to get retested because they got a cough. It's crazy. Hmm. So I think what the president should do is I think he needs to do a little world tour of the U.S., And instead of everybody focusing on New York, he needs to start actually making some inroads with the media. Hey, let's go visit some hospitals in South Carolina and see what's going on there. Hey, let's go visit some hospitals in North Carolina and see what's going on there. Hey, let's go and talk to those doctors because those doctors aren't freaking out. And this is your suggestion, Todd. Yeah. Yeah. This is my suggestion because the the media has to be forced to allow people to see the different side of the story. Yep. Because all they're hearing is, Everyone's dying. If I get this, I'm gonna, I'm gonna die. I gotta say goodbye to my family. That's, it's, the, people are terrified. Even here in South Carolina, where we only have 44 people that have died since this began. Ty, stand hold. We'll get you some free gear. Uh, excellent points. It's something that you were make a point that you were making Friday uh, on Friday that it's time for the president to see beyond just New York City and New York State and look at the rest of the country and 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 expand the horizons of the way that this story is looked at that that's they're, that's your point and he knows they're the ones who fill all of the basketball arenas every time they fill them for his rallies you mean yes yeah. for his rallies yes yet their voice now is just sitting there on hold I think you, here's the other thing too. You had the Connecticut governor. It looks like the story that he put out there about the infant dying of COVID nineteen. Oh yeah, right, that news, looks yeah. like a complete fake news scam. Okay, um, I, I mean I've seen videos this weekend of nurses and doctors. We're we're dying. Somebody do something, and they just get retweeted. But we can't verify that any of this is true whatsoever. All right, you know, um, I think that's it's. This has been some of the most effective moments of his presidency is when he has used the bully pulpit of his office to to, to be a platform for uh, to blow up the Overton window, like we've seen with the March for Life, for example, right? So this is a time for him to pursue that same strategy where that's where this story is concerned. What what's going on around the rest of the country? Correct. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Uh, thanks to all of you for the calls here today as well. We're going to stick around and do some overtime for our Blaze TV subscribers, blazetv.com slash dace. If you'd like to subscribe, get $30 off your annual subscription right now for $5 and change a month. Never been a better time. Until tomorrow, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.